So this evening we consider the fifth commandment, to honor your father and your mother. And uh, before we do that, looking at Lord's Day 39, we're going to read first from Colossians 3 into the beginning of chapter 4. Colossians 3, starting at verse 12. Um, This letter to the church in Colossae, Colossae, a lot of practical instruction in it. Starts out very clearly reminding us, however, that um, God has transformed us. He's given us a new address, a new home, a new identity, new, a new father. And that changes everything for us. And so what we read in Colossians 3 really rests on that new identity that we have, that Christ has obtained for us by his victory. So with that as our background... Colossians 3, Paul urges God's people to put off that which belonged to their old identity, put off that which belongs to their worldliness and their flesh, and put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there, there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Amen. Now in the light of that, Lord's Day 39 asks us, what is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? And the answer is that I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. That I submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline. And also that I be patient with their failings. For by their hand, God wills to rule us. Amen. Beloved disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, as a pastor, over the years I've had many opportunities to talk with young people who struggle with the challenge of submitting to far from perfect parents. 
Many young people wrestle with how difficult they, that can be. They, they ask me, how do I submit to my parents when their expectations seem unjust? How do I respect them when they use different standards for different children? And the parents in question are flawed. They are. Some have made hurtful remarks to their children that they shouldn't have made. Most all of them at times have acted hypocritically. And so many of their rules prohibit things that they have done which the kids know. And the kids ask, why can't I make my own mistakes? Why can't I learn for myself the way they did? Hard questions. Such questions are difficult in part because I sympathize. I remember being a teenager. I remember struggling to submit to my parents at times. And yet I also see the situation from the parents' point of view. I see the other side, the recognition that each child is different, and so you can't necessarily use the same rules and the same standards for each kid. Along with that, the desire to spare my children from the really hard lessons that I've learned. And let's be honest, as parents, we know how far short we fall, how many times we fail. very difficult to advise young people if we rely on our own experience. Because then we have to make a choice. Either, either we can be the sympathetic friend who commiserates with them over the injustice of these deeply flawed parents who just don't seem to get them, or we can advise them a bit more harshly, a bit more sternly, from the perspective of the parents who have this hard-to-govern child in their midst. There is a third way. And that's by looking up. It's only... It's only when we recognize that parents, and in fact all authorities, are from God. Whether the parents recognize that or not, whether they're honorable in their parenting or not, it's only when we consider these parents as gifts sovereignly and graciously given by God, it's only when we recognize that that we can see our calling to submit to our children, or to our parents, and that... As parents, we can see our calling to parent them in a particular way as representatives of God. And that's what Lord's Day 39 calls us to recognize. This power struggle that we see between children and parents, and we see it all the time. Sometimes, every once in a while, you hear somebody talk about, oh, kids nowadays, oh, what has happened to them? (laughs) Same thing that happened when you were a kid. And when your parents were kids and when their parents were kids. Nothing new about this generation other than the fact that this time you're a parent rather than the kid. But Lord's Day 39 calls us to recognize. Yep, those parents are sinners. Yep, those parents are flawed. And yet, God in His sovereignty, God in His graciousness, God in His goodness, uses these flawed instruments to do His perfect work in His people. And therefore, we submit, not because they're so worthy, but because He is. 
And because He has ordained to use them in an amazing way, despite their weakness, using their weakness to demonstrate that the perfect results He brings about, that's from Him, not them. And that's really what Lord's Day 39 calls us to recognize. You don't submit to your parents because they're so wonderful. They are. They're wonderful to you. But that's not why you submit to them. You submit to them because you're really submitting to God and He knows what He's doing. The really simple theme to Lord's Day 39, to the fifth commandment. Young people hear this well. Actually, older people hear this well too is that God's grateful people have the calling to recognize earthly authorities as God's servants. It's that simple. We have the calling to recognize earthly authorities as God's servants. And that gives us a particular calling or a set of callings with regard to those authorities. The first of which is honoring God by our loving respect of the authorities. We honor God by our loving respect of the authorities. But to see that, we need to start out with asking who are the authorities whom we must honor and how do they get their authority? The who is an easy question. It's it's really anyone who has a legitimate, recognized claim to guide or to govern you. That's an authority. We find authorities in all the spheres of life. Within the sphere of the family, parents are the authority of their children. Husbands are the authorities of their wives. Teachers are the authorities of the children whom the parents have placed under their care. Within the sphere of society, we recognize as authorities representatives of the government under whom we live. So in our land, legislators who create laws, executives who enforce the laws, along with the law enforcement officers who serve them, justices who apply the law to those accused of wrongdoing, and also, more broadly, employers who have authority over their employees. And then within the sphere of the church, obviously Christ is our king, but he exercises that rule through the elders whom he sets over us. Each of these authorities, within their proper sphere of responsibility, deserves honor, not because of who they are, not because of what they have done, but because God put them over us. They deserve our honor, they deserve our respect, because God deserves our honor and our respect. Romans 13 verse 1 makes it very clear, let every person Be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority, hear this, there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. And He's given us those authorities for our good. Romans 13 verse 4 says that the authority does not bear the sword in vain for He is the servant of God and avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. He's doing the work of God. Even when He doesn't realize it. In a similar way, Ephesians 6 verse 4 tells us that parents are given to guide their children on behalf of the Lord. Acts 20 verse 28 reveals that elders are called to guard and to guide the church on God's behalf. So each authority within its sphere, within its realm of operation, is a gift of God to bless those entrusted to it. 
And because God has given those authorities, our attitude toward them reflects our attitude toward God. If you scorn the authorities over you, if you mock them, if you make fun of them, if you make jokes at their expense, you're revealing your heart toward God. But on the other hand, when you love, when you honor, when you respect them, even when they don't deserve it, you're demonstrating your trust, your reliance upon your Heavenly Father. That's why Romans 13 verse 5 says, Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. We obey the government not just to avoid fines, not just to avoid jail time, but for the sake of conscience, for the sake of demonstrating honor to God. So our catechism says we should honor, love, and be loyal to those in authority over us. That's a nice paraphrase of Romans 13, verses 7 and 8. Pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. To whom belongs our respect and our honor? Those whom God set over us. The parents who lead you at home, the teachers who lead you at school, the elders who lead you at church, the governing leaders whom God in His sovereign care has set over our society. These all rule us by God's will, and so our response to them reflects our heart toward God. That's not always easy, though. It's not always easy because those elected officials break their promises and act dishonorably. And those elders sometimes make decisions that you don't agree with. And those parents don't always seem fair or reasonable or sympathetic. But listen, God knew their shortcomings when He put them in office. He knows every fault, every failure. In fact, He could list them far more comprehensively than you could. And nevertheless, He put them over you. Not because God just wants you to suffer. No but so that you would see that He is the one who uses them to bless and mature you. It's not because they're perfect that you grow and mature and are strengthened by them. It's despite their weakness. It's despite their flaws. Our calling is not to question His wisdom, but rather to confess His wisdom's greater than ours. And therefore, we'll trust Him. As Paul urges us in our reading from Colossians 3, we need to show humility, refusing to think that we're wiser than God, and meekness, confessing that we'll submit to Him even when we don't get it. And we often don't get it. We live in a state where once our highest court finally got the gumption to say what was obvious, which is that our Constitution doesn't have a right to kill infants in the womb. Duh! It took that long to figure that out. We live in a state where the legislators said, well, not here, thanks. We're going to make sure that everyone can kill their babies in the womb. Now, I don't understand why God would give us leaders like that. I don't. And I don't want to respect them. I don't want to honor them. But I trust God. We need to trust God. That doesn't mean that we can't campaign against them. That doesn't mean that we can't or shouldn't raise up more godly leaders to replace them or to pray for a change of their heart. 
But we cannot mock them. We cannot scorn them. We cannot rebel against them. That said, you who bear authority are called to bear authority in a manner that demonstrates that you understand that you are God's instruments. Jesus showed that so beautifully and powerfully in John 13, just before he went to the cross, interestingly. Here's the one who is about to consummate the work that he came to do, after which he will confess to his people, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And just before they celebrate the Passover and the first Lord's Supper, he takes off his coat. He wraps a towel around his waist. He gets a basin full of water and he does the job that all the slaves work to make sure they don't have to do. He starts washing their grungy, dirt-stained feet. One by one by one. Even over their protests. And then... Afterward, he put on his outer garments and resumed his place. And he said, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Now, he's not instituting, as a few churches have believed, some third sacrament, foot washing. He's telling us to do what he has done, which is to say, you lead by embracing the lowliest service. You don't lead from the back. You don't go out on the battlefield and stand behind all the other soldiers so they can catch the bullet meant for you. No, you lead from the front. You don't give any job that you're not willing to do. You don't issue any command that you're not willing to obey. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. That means as Christians, as Christians, we are to lead in a manner that makes it easy for them to respect. You love your wife, husbands, while doing the dishes and helping out with the kids. You lead your children by getting down on the floor and playing with them right after they've finished their chores. You lead your employees by digging in and working alongside of them when it's a hard week. Because if you lead that way, you will make it easy for them to honor you. And as they joyfully honor you, they will be honoring God who set you over them. So then whether we rule or are ruled, we're called to show honor to God. Treating the authorities over us with the loving respect due to God who gave them. Exercising authority over others with the selfless love shown by Christ our King. And God will be praised through us. However, it's not merely a matter of attitude. Many are they who have shown a humble attitude even as they disobey their leaders, right? So our catechism reminds us we're to serve God also by our Christ-like submission, our obedience. 1 Peter 2 calls us to recall Jesus' submission to the authorities over him even when they were mistreating him. Think of what's described in uh, Mark 14. After Jesus' arrest, many came and testified falsely against him. None of their stories matched. Why? Because they were all lies. It was all orchestrated by the Jewish leaders. 
And yet Jesus didn't slander them or call out against them for their dishonesty and their politicizing. Instead, Mark 14, verse 61 says, He remained silent and made no answer. They accused him before the Roman governor of things he never did, yet he stayed silent. He didn't return slur for slur or curse those who had mistreated him. And even after he was condemned, the government condemning him to death, even though he had said he's done nothing wrong, the soldiers mocking him, even though he had not committed any injustice, the spiritual leaders taunting him as he hung in agony, Jesus didn't rebel, he didn't curse, he didn't speak without respect. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. God calls us to submit as Jesus submitted to those placed over him. We don't like that very much. Submit. Sounds weak. We want justice. And you say submit to those who mistreat us? Yet God calls us to submit as Christ submitted, which isn't weak. Christ was the last one you would call weak. He could have snapped his fingers and a legion of angels would have destroyed those who mistreated him. But he trusted the Father. And he did what the Father called him to do. Now that's not to say that there won't come a time when Christ comes with that legion and exercises vengeance. There will. But it's all things in its proper time and in its proper order. Now, Sometimes it's quite easy for us to submit, I think. We heard in Colossians 3, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And I think for most of the ladies in this room, you do. And you don't grumble about it. What a blessing. Verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And with some exceptions, you do. A little harder. But on the whole, we don't find that terribly difficult. But then, but then we come to that submission that's more difficult. Like when in 1 Peter 2, verse 18, it says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. We hear that and we think, wait a minute, hold on. I need to be subject to those who are unjust? Really? When our government leaders show themselves to be ungodly, I need to respect them? When they foolishly misuse our taxes, I need to pay those? When my parents punish me wrongly, I still need to obey them? Suddenly we don't like that word submission very much. Surely God didn't mean in those situations. But here's the thing, God gets it. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He knew that those leaders would mistreat you or that they would act wrongly when He put them over you. Why would God do that? Perhaps, at least in part, so that you would learn what Colossians 3 verse 24 says. That from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, for you are serving the Lord Christ. 
Our reward, our blessing, our hope, and our help are not found in Lansing and are not found in Washington. Woe to us if we look there for the peace, for the prosperity, for the hope, for the help, for the strength of us and our children unto the generations because it's not there and it's not meant to be there. Also, as Peter said in 1 Peter 2 verse 15, This is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. When we do good, even to those who do evil, they are shamed. Our submission to those ungodly leaders. You know what, I've seen this in Iowa. We had a group there. We had a group there that they had a radical idea. They recognized that all these ungodly laws, a lot of what's happening in Lansing today was happening in Des Moines back then. And, uh, and they recognized that the spiritually darkest place in the state was the state house of representatives. So they stopped advocating for laws. They said, this isn't working. Instead, they contacted all the churches they had a relationship with, and they said, send us your pastors when the legislature's in session. And they instructed us pretty harshly. Don't raise any legislative issues. It's not why you're here. Don't raise any partisan issues. You're not here as a Republican. You're not here as an Independent. You're not here... No. You're here as God's shepherd. You're here as Nathan to David. You come to them, remind them that they're God's servants, and you tell them that your church is praying for them. And if they don't want to hear it, pray for them anyway. And if they slander you or they speak ill of you or they swear at you... Pray for them anyway. You know what an amazing thing happened? After about three years of that? These professed atheists and humanists and progressives that were pushing all of this wicked legislation that was absolutely ugly, they were quietly in the corners coming up to these pastors and elders from the churches that had come to visit with them and they were coming up and saying, I don't believe in all this religious stuff, but my marriage is really in trouble. I can use anything. Would you pray for us? Or they were coming up and saying, you know, I don't want to get known as religious, but I don't know what to do with my teenager. Can you give me some guidance? And that humble submission, that humble display of selflessness started getting to their hearts. Now there were some who still wanted nothing to do with the church, wanted nothing to do with God's people, and they will have to answer to God for that. But that's what the Lord wants of us. That we show them the love of Christ, that we show them the submission due to God, that we show them that we're honoring you, not because you're so honorable, but because God is, and we serve Him. Now, to be clear, there are times when we can't obey them, and we mustn't in those cases. When Peter and John and the others were preaching in the temple, Acts 4 and 5, they were called in before the Jewish council, and they were told, you may not preach Christ in the temple Period. End of sentence. And they sent them away. And they left and they went to the temple and they started preaching Christ. And they were arrested the next day for doing so and brought before the Jewish council which said, How dare you? We told you not to do that. And what did Peter say? 
We must obey God rather than men. And there are those times when we gathered during COVID for worship. Though the governor said she wouldn't enforce it, we were breaking the law. Well, it wasn't a law, it was an executive order, but we were violating the governing authority's command. And we were right to do so. We had churches in Canada that did so at the cost of thousands and thousands of dollars worth of fines and the threat of jail, and they were right to do so. Several days ago, we celebrated a holiday that's not really about fireworks. It's about the freedom God has given us in this land, and that freedom came from refusing to heed ungodly commands of ungodly leaders. But notice, when they did that, They didn't just rebel as a bunch of individuals. A lesser authority, actually a number of lesser authorities, rose up and led them against the tyranny. And so even then, they weren't acting rebelliously. They were acting submissively to the godly leaders whom he had set over them who were calling them to stand against tyranny. Again, they were obeying God and the leaders God put over them. To be clear, though, many of us are put in positions of leadership and we need to be very careful not to make it hard for those under us to submit, to obey. Wives are called to submit to their husbands, but then immediately we're told, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Don't make it hard for them. Children, obey your parents in everything. But fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, we could say in our context, employees. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. But then masters are reminded to treat your servants justly and fairly, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. In other words, we're called not only to submit even when our Leaders are harsh, but we're called to lead in a way that makes it easy for them to submit. And again, whichever side of the relationship we're on, we we are honoring God when we obey those He set over us or when we lead in a way that makes it easy for them to obey. Now, our catechism touches one other aspect of our relationship with authorities. That's a really important one. Our forefathers were keenly aware that in this age, among men, there is no authority who is without sin. We all fall short of the holiness, the love, the selflessness that is shown by Christ. We all fail at various points, revealing injustice and pride and folly and sin. And so Lord's Day 39 reminds us that we are called to be patient with their failings. So our final point here is simply that We reveal our gratitude to God. We reveal our trust in God when we confess God in our humble patience toward them. The failures of the leaders over us are beyond man's ability to catalog. There are those who seek glory to such an extent that they will harm anyone in their path. We see that a lot, don't we? 
And you don't have to look very far, especially in our federal, federal government, to see folks that are willing to throw anybody under the bus or in jail. It gets in their way. On the other end of the scale, there are those who have habits, annoyances that are just that we have to tolerate. I once had a boss that would uh, speak ill of his employees in Greek, which we couldn't understand. His family could understand it. Some of the patrons could understand it, but we couldn't understand it. We just knew that he was uh, speaking ill of us. That's annoying. And our temptation, whether it's an annoyance or a truly vile act of power grabbing, our temptation is to lash out, to try to get even, to, to seek to overpower them at their own game. But that's not fitting for a Christian. Again, remember, it is God who set those parents, those teachers, those elders, those governors over you. To mock them is to mock Him. To slander them is to slander Him. To rebel against Him is to reject the rule of God over you. And we must not. Remember, we were born as rebels and God saved us from that through Christ and has made us now not rebels but His children. And our behavior, all our behavior must reflect the fact that now you are sons and daughters of God. And therefore, He calls us to be transformed. Remember what we heard in Colossians 3. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. That's not natural to us. That's natural to Jesus. Those are the qualities that come to us only by the Holy Spirit. But when He gives them, we're called to cultivate them. And that means that when we're wronged by authorities over us, we're called not to slander them, not to utterly reject them, but rather humbly, privately, to change or to challenge them. Urging them to change, asking them to do what's right. And then... If they're willing to even make the attempt to change, to forgive them and to treat them as though they never did it. And when they refuse and when they continue acting unjustly toward us, whether they're our employer or our parent or our governor, we need to remember that God is the judge. Not me, not us, Him. And therefore, we leave the judgment in His hand, recognizing that His judgment is infinitely beyond anything we could do. And our calling, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Kids, I want you to think of this. It is mighty hard to speak ill of your parents in the name of the Lord Jesus. It is downright impossible to badmouth your teacher giving thanks to God the Father. That's good. If you can't give thanks for what you're doing, if you can't recognize God or Christ being glorified in what you're doing, you should not be doing it. So instead, be patient. Pray for humility and love, even when they mistreat you. And when you do that, you're making a powerful statement to them, to your co-workers, to your brothers and sisters. You're making the statement, I trust God. 
I believe that he will make it all right in the end. I trust that he's going to deliver me out of this. He will. Maybe he'll raise up another authority who will deliver you from the tyranny. Maybe he will change the heart of that parent or that employer or that teacher. Maybe he will just deliver you out of the situation, but he will answer your prayer and he will enable you to deal with it in a way that honors him. Now once more... For those who are in authority, that's not an excuse to mistreat them so that they'll have more opportunity to be sanctified. No. We're called to lead them in a way that makes it easy for them so that they don't have to complain about our faults. And when we fail, we need to apologize to them. That doesn't undermine our authority. Parents, fathers, hear this well. It doesn't undermine your authority to apologize to your children. It simply shows them how a Christian acts. And it makes it so much easier for them to submit. But in all things, we must keep in mind that God is the ultimate authority. He sees the injustice and He will judge. So ask for Him to give patience, for Him to give humility, for Him to enable you to endure. And He will use you and the authority over you to bring honor unto Him. I don't always understand how that works. I talked to a young person who has parents who are manipulative and dishonest. I don't understand how that can work out to a good end. I talked to a young person whose boss is a real scoundrel who cheats him out of income that he should have received. I see the injustice. I talk to people that recognize the corruption in Lansing and they want to do something. I get it. But we have a king who gets it too. We have a father who understands better than us and he will deal with it. So our calling is to trust in him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so weak. We find ourselves time and time and time again having to remind ourselves that we're not the ones who have to set it all right. That we're not the ones who have to overcome the tyranny, who have to right the wrong, who have to set in proper order the injustice. Help us to remember that you are. That the day is coming soon when you will right all wrongs, when you will reveal all injustices, when you will call all men to, to account for how they have behaved and teach us today to act in the face of those injustices as your beloved children, humble and honorable and selfless, bearing the image of Christ. And use, Lord, use our example, use our witness to make an impact on the hearts of those who have been ungodly in their behavior, that they might turn to you, not by our wit and wisdom, but by the work that you do through us. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.